This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now, enjoy the show. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, and if you're joining us for the first time, we are glad to have you on board for episode number 42. This is our recap of Clash of Champions. I'm Nick Howell. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and yes, Clash of the Champions, Clash of Champions. I was, oh, I was, it's, it's Clash of Champions. Oh, sorry. I don't want to get fired. Moron. Fired. Uh <laughs> No, it, we, we, it was a, a, a pay-per-view that, on paper, I got to say, looked kind of like a B-level pay-per-view. The build was kind of yeah. lackluster, you know, didn't really have any terribly interesting matches outside of the big feud going on between Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and Shane McMahon with his agents of destruction, Randy Orton and Shinsuke Nakamura, yeah. uh, and then Daniel Bryan inserting himself as the special second referee having Kevin and uh, Sammy's careers beyond the line and just all of the just intricacies of this whole feud was really the only interesting thing going into this pay-per-view uh, so we got to talk about whether or not this pay-per-view outperformed its build or if it was just as lackluster as we thought it was going to be Well, for those just tuning in let's give them a TLDR version here at the beginning what's your quick reaction without going into any of the details did you enjoy the pay-per-view you know what I would love to tell you but in the in the interest of suspense oh I will keep you thinking about it until we're at the end of this episode we got to break down these matches so let's start it out with the pre-show match Mojo Raleigh Versus Zack Ryder. These guys recently were it, tag it, team. It, it's what? not the pre-show match anymore. It's the kickoff show. Okay? And we don't want to relegate super WWE superstars to a pre-show. So now it's the kickoff show. Uh-huh. And it's also <laughs> Clash of the Champions. Anyway, so Mojo Rawley and Zack Ryder had a pretty... Uh, it was kind of... This this feud was sprung on us pretty quickly in the last couple of weeks. We we knew the hype bros were going sideways for months and months now, but they just never did anything with it yeah. for whatever reason. Uh, they finally did. They pulled the trigger. Mojo went heel, turned on Zack Ryder. And uh, here's the thing. This is a feud that actually I got invested in through really no fault of WWE's per se, but because of the work online done by Mojo Raleigh and Zack Ryder. They really? War of Words on Twitter. Huh. Uh, and Mojo uh, did one of the best promos I've seen in a long time and definitely one of his best promos. And he's, he's a solid promo. This is one of his best ones. You can only see it online. He posted it on Twitter. And it was fantastic. 
It was really good. Got me hyped for this match. And I'll be honest with you, when I saw the match, that added intensity from the feud that they built themselves made this match a bigger deal to me. And in the end, to me, it didn't feel like a, sorry, kickoff show match. It felt like it had more implications. Unfortunately, I think most of the WWE universe didn't see this stuff and they didn't really react to a lot of it. Um, But I thought this match was hard hitting. It had a great intensity, really good intensity. Uh, And unsurprisingly, Mojo Raleigh proved that Zack Ryder does not have the killer instinct and beat him pretty handily. No, I completely agree. And this was, uh, you know, I could feel the personal side of that in this match. If you talk about story of a match or psychology of a match, I could feel that, you know, there was this kind of brothers feuding kind of mentality going on in the match. You could see the regret or the hesitation in Zack not wanting to hit his friend and all that, all of that stuff plays into it. And I think it leads into some of that intensity you were talking about. Absolutely. No, it was well played by both guys. Uh, Mojo's new solo entrance, I think is good. And will serve him in the future. Yeah. Uh, they're definitely, I think getting back on board the Mojo train, which they should. The guy has a lot of upside. I've come around on him from being completely annoyed by him back in NXT and his first run. And I thinking he was kind of sloppy. Yeah. To now, I really do see a lot of upside with this guy. He's not just um, a linebacker turned loose, running crazy around anymore. I mean, he still is, but yeah. in, in, in a good <laughs> okay. way. In a good way. You know what I mean? Not not in a Lawrence Taylor way, but in a good way. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I kind of feel like SmackDown Live should have had more faith in this feud. And and I you know I can't imagine what else they would have put on the kickoff to, to put this on the main show, but yeah. it is what it is. I, I don't know if this was the blow-off, if they'll do more with it. I don't know if there's much more to tell. They spent six months building to this point. Why would they not? They've invested into it so much. I don't know if I'd call it building. They most more kind idling. of like <laughs> idling, circling the airport with it. But yeah, so but we uh so we both picked Mojo to win this, so of we course. were both right in the pickums. Yep. Uh and let's move on and talk about the US title match, the three way. Okay. Uh this was Dolph Ziggler uh facing off against Bobby Roode and the United States champion Baron Corbin. Um for me this match I uh, I didn't enjoy it as much as I wanted to. Um and mostly to do with the ending. You know, I really? don't know where this thing's going to go with Dolph being the title holder with his whole entrance thing. Yeah, we should we should point out that Dolph was the not Dark Horse is putting it too lightly. We both were like, "There's no way Dolph is winning this," and I'll be damned. But Baron Corbin got Bobby Roode in the end of days. Dolph sneaks up and gives him a zigzag while he's giving Bobby Roode the end of days, which I've only seen once before in a match, I believe, with Baron Corbin and AJ Styles back a little while ago, yeah. where he did that same move. But this time, the zigzag got him the U.S. title. He he won it with that move, and I thought it was I thought it was a well executed finish. Sure, but I agree, it came out of left freaking field. And I understand the strategy around it of putting tying a ribbon or a bow, whatever you will, on the storyline that we've had with Ziggler. Um, as it's kind of gotten a little bit better with the rec- you know cutting off the music and him just walking out dark, it makes sense now for him to kind of prove that that's possible as an in-ring performer and look at what I did kind of thing. Sure, and I'm, I'm sure he'll have a lot to say this week on SmackDown about to just prove that point. Um, my only concern, and one of the reasons I didn't see Ziggler picking up the win here, is that they have started and stopped his push so many times that no one has faith in him getting a push anymore. And yeah. I think this is more damaging to Baron Corbin and Bobby Roode, who at this point both could use, a, a, a Roode especially could use a signature win. Oh, yeah. And, and I think I, that's Corbin, why I thought he was going to take the belt here. Even regardless of how long he would he- would have held on to it, I think it would have done him the most favor in this threesome. Right. And, and that was also a similar reason why I picked Corbin, 
was because I thought that he needed to establish himself as the U.S. champion after having a long run of kind of looking like a doof uh, with, you know, like getting bowled over by Cena and not cashing in and all the rest of it. You know, right. I thought I thought he could have used a signature win. So this is I don't know what they're going to do with Rude and Corbin now. Uh, if they're going to come back a few with Dolph Moore, if this is going to continue, um, it does, you know, it was weird to have Dolph inserted into this kind of at the last minute, again, with, you know, kind of the, the build to this show being a little off. Um, so it pays off that last minute insertion of, of Dolph Ziggler into the match. If that means that in the future, now all three guys continue to feud, it does make that three-way feud uh, have a little bit more grist. But yeah. at the same time, uh, it's it's a wait-and-see situation. We're going to have to wait and see what Dolph does with it and what the other guys do to react. Well, I have a theory that I think they needed to get Baron Corbin back in the Royal Rumble match here in a month, so I think maybe that that's why they took the, the belt off of him, and that led a little bit to my speculation about uh, putting it on Rude as well, plus him needing the push. It just made the most sense. Oh, Corbin back in the Royal Rumble so we can eliminate Braun Strowman again? Uh, and do, and listen, have them do we're nothing not going with it. there, but I'm you need saying. your big men in the Royal Rumble match, so that's why. Well, I I, I can't imagine uh, personally. I, the Royal Rumble is going to be really interesting this year because uh, you know there's there's so many people, uh, it, it, so many competitors, and there's only so many singles matches you can have. Yeah. So depending on who is allowed to be in the Royal Rumble, exactly like Corbin, uh, Strowman, like whoever's going to be in it, um, we're looking like we're going to have Strowman and possibly Kane against yeah. Brock Lesnar in a match so that'll keep him out of the Royal Rumble. So if Corbin's in it, you know, does he have a good showing again? He's shown in the past, at least they seem to book him, so he's good in in free-for-alls. Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, we'll see going forward. We were both wrong on this match because you picked Rude, I picked Corbin. Neither of us saw Ziggler. I don't think anyone saw Ziggler. Uh, so yeah, that was a that was definitely surprising. But it also, it, when I watched it, I was like, ah, oh, there's a title that changed hands. We were saying before, like, what titles are changing hands on this show? We didn't think any would, and this one did. I thought I thought Rude would walk with this one, but this was the only one that I thought would was change a possibility. Hands. Yeah. yeah. Well, and on that we were right because we got to go talk about the uh, the tag team championship, which was a four way Usos versus the New Day versus Rusev Day versus uh, Gable and Benjamin, or as we're calling them, American Alpha Two Point Yeah. Uh, this was more proof that the SmackDown Live tag team division is freaking amazing. Yes, it is. We had the New Day and the Usos putting on clinics all year. They had the, I believe they had the only tag team match since 2002 that Meltzer gave over uh, four stars to, uh, or 4.25. Yeah, I mean, that was a great feud. And, you know, whatever you want to think about Meltzer's rating system, you know, it's it's still a benchmark. Sure. It's still a way to take it and say, these were good matches. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, so you take the Usos and the New Day alone, and then to have uh, Rusev Day come out of nowhere and uh, American Alpha 2.0 to step in. We knew they were quality because th that's just a two incredibly talented guys. Yeah. But everyone stepped up and got on the level of what I think was one of the best feuds of the year, which was Usos and New Day. Everyone was on that level. And uh, this was another fantastic tag match. There was a little element of this match where it was. It, I felt that it suffered because of the sheer number of bodies that were in the ring. I agree with that. And they, that they, it was very rushed to get to certain spots just to get all of them in for, for all eight of the guys. But at the same time, it was chaotic enough. That was kind of an overarching theme that I'll, I'll say more about at the end of the show here. But there was a, it was a little bit of a cluster F throughout the entire show. There was chaos going on in all kinds of these matches. 
And it kind of contributed to my enjoyment of the pay-per-view in an overall way a little bit more. And this match was kind of one of those, the biggest ones of them all. You know, there was matches on this card that had chaos that I did not enjoy. Okay. And this was this was a match that there were parts where I felt like it was a little overbooked. And, and yeah. you know, they, they just kind of booked themselves into a corner by having... Having guys not exactly react realistically, you know, like when they get pulled off of a pin and they don't fight, they just kind of go, hey, how dare you do that? Yeah. Some of the storytelling early in the match didn't work for me, but by God, the end of the match had me hooked, mostly because I went out on a freaking limb with my markery for (laughs) Rusev and called Rusev Day to pick up the surprise win here. And my God, did they get, did they tease me? They were tickling my soft spots, and I thought that there was going to be. I I thought Rusev and, and Aiden had it at one point because it looked like they, yeah, had it, lost it, and then were coming back, and just the rhythm of it made me think they were going to take it. And it was it was all the second half of this match was so well done, yeah, uh, really entertaining, and got yeah, everyone is the so few fantastic teases the we division. got to see of. Uh, Usos and American Alpha 2.0 and there, especially the Chad Gable exchange when he was going nuts on him was fantastic. Oh, Chad and Gable was a monster in this match. If, if you guys ain't keen on some Chad Gable, be ready. If you like a little guy German suplexing really big dudes, you can watch this match. It's That guy's a freak. Yep. Unbelievable. And Shelton Benjamin still has it too. He's so nimble. Shelton. Benjamin. Benjamin. Yeah, that, that he can still run to the top rope in a split second. And he's it's it's they're a weird team because it's almost like they are they have the move set of the other guy's body type. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like oh, Gable, that's a great way to put Gable it. shouldn't be as incredibly beefy and strong and technically sound as he is. And Shelton Benjamin shouldn't be as athletic and bouncing around the ring and 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 aerial as he is. So it's it they're they're a joy to watch and I hope that there's a there's a, a feud with them going forward uh hopefully for the tag titles. Oh, I think we're getting it. Oh, I think this is coming. I think we saw enough of a tease in this match. There was enough of a focus throughout the time of this match that I yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they hit the ground running with that. But yeah, they're, and they're the more serious tag team at this point. New Day has already had their feud with the yep. Usos. I think Rusev Day is still building. They're not going to be in the title picture just yet. They are kind of going more towards comedy, which will play better with New Day. So, yeah, I definitely see it working out, falling into place that way. I can't wait for Breezango to get in the middle of those two. Oh, well, well, well oh. will they? Because we let's talk about Breezango okay. really quickly because we'll, we'll we'll skip a match and come back to it. Okay. Because well, Breezango- hang on. We got to talk about our pickums. Oh, yes. That match. Yeah, because uh, I have to we, pat myself we, on the back a little bit here because must. this oh, yeah. was the winner. Oh, congratulations! We both said the Usos are probably going to win. I just went on a, on a limb with Rusev Day because I was Whatever. just my marker. Listen got to the him backpedaling. Listen to me talk about it last week. <laughs> I prepared you for my potential. Ba- I wasn't. This not even backpedaling. This is me agreeing with my former self that uh-huh. I I was foolish in this choice. <laughs> but I, I stand by my my ruru. Oh. Well, yes. Okay. So getting to Brizango and the Bludgeon Brothers, uh, this did not go down the way that I expected it to. It, it uh, went down the way this, I feared. This, agreed. This was essentially a squash match that was you, took everything that they've built for the last six months and balled it up and threw it out the window. Right out the window. And I am I was over freaking whelmed that they were this willy nilly just willing to toss it all aside. They could have had so much fun, Ian, in this match, just messing with them. Bring the mop and the wigs and the stuff back, and they've got their World of Warcraft hammers and stuff already for the Bludgeon Brothers. But why not make it some kind of thing well, it, rather than just a squash in order to put the 
the Bludgeon Brothers over is these monsters. And we this already is, know. This is basically what it was. Was It was their way of saying the Bludgeon Brothers are monsters. And like you said, we do already know. My, irritated, my, my irritation with this match, with this glorified squash match, was that you took all of this good TV that you had with Brizango. Yeah. And you basically wasted it. It, 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 it was in service to nothing, really. And it, it, I don't see the point in having them get squashed here uh, and making all the fun that we had with Fashion Files null and void, essentially, and have them have nowhere else to go, really, with it now. Uh, yeah, I, I don't get it yet. Maybe there's some plan in the, in the future for them to have an ongoing feud, and eventually there's some more interesting elements that are added into the matches, but this was just, this was very disheartening. Uh, I will say that when I made my pick last week and I was talking about the... I did add a, a .5 modifier on this for the Ascension to show up. My thinking behind that and my hope behind that was that they would get beat down by the Bludgeon Brothers, but the Ascension would come out as their friends and have their back because they're big dudes too and come out and kind of hold off the Bludgeon Brothers and that would lead to a feud and we'd get to, I don't know, see the Ascension wrestle again? <laughs> So that was where my hopes and everything was lying. But Vince McMahon crushed my dreams, crushed my hopes. <laughs> well, we don't know if it was Vince. It could have been Road Dog. could have been sure. P.S. Hayes, whoever's, whoever's was. booking this. But the point is is that they didn't bring any of those story elements that, that Brizango spent months building and having fun with and getting over with. Uh, they didn't bring in any of those elements. And The Last Fashion Files wasn't even on TV. It was on www.com. <sighs> so it, it really feels like a waste. Uh, the only thing I can say that that might be... A, a good look is if you were right, they're just taking their time to build it. They don't want the they don't want to unleash the Bludgeon Brothers on the rest of the tag division just yet. They can't yet. No, and if, and if it's one of those things where Brizango comes out of this and said, "Okay, we learned our lesson. We can't go into this just straight at them." And there's actually a story that they build from this squash match, which is possible. Yeah. No, I could get so, I could get behind that. I'm, uh, I'm still not, play out that same thing I just laid out. I'm yeah. disappointed, but not despairing. Yet. I am a little bit, if I'm being honest. <laughs> well, if you want to talk about despair, let's talk about the women's match. Well, we both picked the Bludgeon Brothers, obviously, but I'm going to have to take the point five on the chin because the Ascension did not come out. Correct. So I'm only behind by point five yes. right now. All right. Yes. I like this so far. Uh, yeah. The women's match, the Lumberjack match. Uh, um, this was the low point of the paper. DOA, as far as I'm concerned. As yeah. soon as they booked it, I just, nope. At least the, Bre- the Bludgeon Brothers and Breezango match had some good big hits. Yeah. This this was bad on so many levels. Uh, so it was a lumberjack match. All the other women in the division were lined up around the ring in their own little factions. Naomi was alone on one side of the ring. You had Tamina, Carmella, and uh, Lana on right. uh, the announcer's side of the ring. And then you had the Riot Squad on the far side from the hard cam. And everyone, you know, it was basically somehow... I guess Natalia got everyone on her side. So every time Charlotte got thrown out, she got beaten up. And every time Natalia got thrown out, she was kind of gently put back in the ring. Uh, And then aside from that, it was basically Charlotte versus Natalia. But the whole story was that Charlotte kept getting beat up and beat up and beat up and beat up. Uh, And Natalia still couldn't beat her. And at the same time, the riot squad looked like absolute goons in this whole thing. Like they didn't, they looked like they were useless, had no idea what they were doing. Which is really sad because, you know, I, I'm a fan of Ruby Riot especially. Yeah. And uh, at this point, especially compared to the stuff that's going on in Raw, we keep saying this. Like, it's just, it's not working. They they look like a, a pale shadow of absolution right now. They look like, they look terrible. And they, you know, all the chaos that happened with this match didn't service the match. It was a mess. 
It was a kerfuffle. I thought this. I thought this whole thing was terrible. Charlotte retained. Whoop de doo. And that's. I think we both called that. Correct. We did both call okay. that. Um, one thing I didn't call was Natalia having a bizarre, uh, like like heel monologue afterwards. Yeah. Um, in which she said that she was turning her back on the audience because they had turned their back on her and left crying. I don't know if this is their way of writing her off TV for a while, which maybe they should. But uh, you know, I, I it was it was another weird moment. The, this whole thing was just definitely the low point of the show. Well, I don't know, man. I've been watching Total Divas, and her and Lana have got a uh, you thing would. working right now. That uh, if they could bring that to the ring, that would be you know it would be terrible. I don't it know would, what, what I'm talking about. Talking it's stupid. About. Uh, I, I, Maybe we can have Eva Marie come back while we're at it, Nick. Come on. Well, hey, moving on. Uh, we have to go talk about what I considered the match of the night which was, had absolutely nothing to do with the performance that went on in the ring. <laughs> I was going to say. And this was the weird irony of this. So, yes, I'm talking about Owens and Zayn facing off against Orton and Nakamura with, for the first time that I, as far as I understand, in history, we've had two special guest referees in the ring at the same time, both counting. Technically, I believe this is the second one, and they forgot one back in the 90s or early 2000s with... I believe it was Shane McMahon and Shawn Michaels were both refs. Huh. Okay. Uh, I that believe does make sense. I have to, I have to go look at it again. I know there was another match with two refs in it. And, yep. and them saying it was the first one is a, a complete bald faced lie, but it's fine. We had two refs. We had Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon. We had a ton of very complex storyline leading, leading up to this. Everyone had their own different layers of motivation. And uh, I have to say, I agree with you. From a technical standpoint, the wrestling in this match was pretty garbage. Yeah. There was a lot of headlocks. There was a lot of pauses. And the, really, the whole point of this match was the story between Shane and Daniel Bryan yep. and how they were going to react to the different situations that were presented by the wrestlers in this ring. And I think we both alluded to this last week when we were doing our pickums on this. Was We were like, I, I don't really care who wins. It's more about what goes on between Shane and Daniel, and yeah. that's the way it played out. Yeah, and it was very entertaining yeah. from a storyline standpoint. Uh, I definitely didn't have to sit there and think about how well moves were executed. I was thinking more about at what point will Shane try to screw them over? At what point will Daniel Bryan try to save it? What will be the fallout from that? And the way that it went down was that uh, Sammy finally eats an RKO, Shane goes down. I mean, this is after all kinds of miscommunications where Shane and Daniel don't know how they're going to work together. They divide the ring in half. So Shane will cover one half. Daniel cover the other half. Uh, Shane goes down to count the pin on, uh, on, on Sami Zayn. Randy Orton's on top of him. Kevin Owens comes in, pushes Daniel Bryan, who falls onto Shane and breaks the count. Yeah. Shane starts yelling at Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan is feeling very bad and very sorry for himself. And then soon afterwards, Sammy gets a little roll up on Randy and uh, Shane goes to count and as he's coming down for the three, he just stops in midair and just stares. And he does not count the three, even though it was a legit three. And the entire audience, that's when they got hooked. They were a little bit kind of, they seemed like they were they were into it, but they were more like kind of trying to figure out what's going on. No, they were that's, just waiting for that moment. They were waiting for that exact moment to go. And so weren't we. You know? Okay, now we know where the fix is. Yep. Here we go. And it was great. It was one of those great moments. You could hear the entire audience go, ooh. Ooh, Shane, you did the bad thing. Yeah. Um, and now Daniel, you're a McMahon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Daniel Bryan had the same reaction where he's, he starts yelling, Shane, what are you doing? You know, hey, you can't do that. Uh, and it eventually led to Daniel Bryan quick counting 
uh, the one, two, three, the next time that I believe was Randy Orton's shoulders were down. Boom, boom, boom. Counted it, and it was over. As but it, in as between that, though, so let's take a step back. In between that, we had a nice confrontation where hands were exchanged between Shane and Daniel. Some a little shoving pushing, and little stuff. Pushing. And, and I guess technically you could call it Daniel taking a bump when he got uh, hit by Kevin and fell into Shane. So very protected, very protected. Very protected, but that's still technically you're in a ring, you're... you're we're looking for, we're looking for it anything oh it's Come a on, signal Daniel. it's a signal and i don't know what's going to happon on smackdown i'll tell you this. right now it's it's not shibata taking a bump at the g1 finals or anything right. but it was definitely like <laughs> I mean, you I don't, don't do that unless you're medically cleared. Well, Shibata does, but Shibata's insane. But sure. yet, but but yet, well, you do do it. The way that he took it was very safe, and he was did it. He did it on other guy. I'm not reading into it that much. I am. Uh, of course, we'll talk about that after uh, we get to see what happens on SmackDown this week. Because I I got hopes. Yeah, I, I don't yet. I don't yet. I'm I'm not going to get my hopes up too much. But anyway, the bottom line is this was actually. Really well. It's, this has been all more about the story than the wrestling. This entire massive, you know, complex angle. Yeah. And this was a really good way to advance that. I can't wait to see the fallout now. They have got SmackDown for all of its flaws and a lot of its other angles. This is one they've got me hooked on. Yep. I think this is one of the best written long term angles they've had in a long time. It's better than the Kurt Sun angle. It's better than the the breakup of Enzo and Cass. All year long, I can't think of a better long-term build than this. And and I'm going back a few years, and I can't think of a better long-term one that they've executed better every week, every week, keeping me coming back, keeping me interested. All the characters are nuanced. Uh, you know, the only people that don't really matter are Randy Orton and Shinsuke, really. They're just kind of there. But at the same time, if you're going to have two people be there, Randy's just kind of there anyway. And so Shinsuke, really, these days, but... You know, I, I always love watching Shinsuke wrestle, sure. and he's been honestly. They've been booking him more like Shinsuke should be booked lately too. Where when he gets in there, he's a killer, and that's how they should have been booking him. So yeah, it's on that front. I, I was totally satisfied with this, and uh, and yeah, we both picked we both picked Sammy and Kevin because obviously they can't fire them, right? But this is one where even though it was the outcome was predictable. We certainly didn't see how they got there, and we were very entertained by how they got there. And as I expected, I I didn't care. Uh, of the outcome of the actual match, I am dying to see what happens between Shane and Daniel. Exactly. And this feels like the preamble to something much, much longer. So while we may have already spent, when did they kick him off the European tour? Like two months ago? We Now that we've spent this little bit more, we're still just in, scratching the surface of what sure. this feud could be, which you could argue, if he does get clear, leads to a mania match between Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon. That's uh, obviously that's the pie in the sky wish, sure. but there's a lot of places they could go with this that don't involve Daniel Bryan getting back in the ring that could be very satisfying. And yeah. I think that you know they don't exactly have a long history of landing the plane on these big long feuds, but this is one that they have a lot of options to get themselves out of this that would be very interesting and satisfying. Well, speaking of landing the plane on big long feuds, uh, let's talk about the what you would classify as the main event or the WWE Championship defense with AJ Styles and Jinder Mahal. Now, real quick, real quick, I've I've heard some some scuttlebutt online, some kerfuffle, uh oh, uh, where people were actually mad that the Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Randy Orton, Shinsuke match wasn't last because that was the main storyline. I am of the opinion that the damn championship should always be defended last. Yes. It's the most important freaking thing. I don't care what your storylines are. And I was happy with the way that they, they lined up this show. 100. Yeah. So agreed. 
Anyone who's online saying that, I'm so sorry. You are wrong. You can't have it both ways because there's always those times where everyone bitches and complains that the championship isn't defended last. It's not the main event. Well, here it was the main event. Stop complaining. Yeah. <laughs> and in addition, God damn it, AJ pulled another good match out of gender. Yeah. Thank you for putting it that way. I'm going to go out on record and say this was Jinder Mahal's best match of the year. Right. I couldn't agree more. He looked fantastic. AJ made him look fantastic. I'm well, going to say it the, that way. The psychology of the match yep. was fantastic. And I don't, I, I don't know if that was all AJ either. Jinder played his part beautifully. He played the big guy who's very strong with strength moves who's beating up the little guy who's just he's targeting the parts of the little guys he 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 knows if i keep working on this yep. the little guy can't bounce around anymore um he played his part very well his he's relaxed so much more you know he he just he feels the he just feels more like he's in control in the ring and he's not nervous and he's not second guessing himself he finally feels natural in there and it's it's so i can't blame it all on aj although aj's selling absolutely made the match um the way that he took Jinder's moves yep. really sold the match. Uh, and even ha- the whole angle of the little guy fighting back against... he I mean, he makes Jinder look great standing next to him because Jinder is genuinely a freaking huge individual. Yeah, You know, next to Randy Orton, he looks kind of normal because yeah. Randy's a freaking huge individual. Right. I think they're both 6'5", right yeah, around Yeah, right around. I think Jinder's got an inch on Randy, but it's still like, he's huge. Um, and to have him next to AJ, he looks like an absolute monster. Yeah. And so when he plays a monster, it looks good. It looks believable. Uh, and and uh, yeah, I really, I really actually enjoyed this match a lot. I want to take a moment here to reflect on something. And we started to go down this little bit of a path um, at the at the end of last week's show, but we started this podcast, and I think our third episode back in May or June, whenever it was, was don't hinder gender. And yep. this was when Gender Mahal had become the WWE champion. That's right. So we're we're looking at six straight months here of a Jinder Mahal reign. If you cancel out kind of the last month with AJ taking it off of him, it's been Jinder Mahal for the last six all months. year, pretty much for the Since, reign for yeah. the run of our podcast. Yeah. right? Jinder Mahal has reigned supreme. So whatever you want to attribute that to the India thing, all of that stuff that we speculated on throughout the year, uh, this was a nice culmination. If you had told me back in June that, no, no, Nick, it's going to be okay. This is all going to end with AJ Styles becoming WWE champion and giving Jinder Mahal one of his best matches of the year. I, I probably wouldn't have believed you, first of all. Oh, right, I was going to say. <laughs> Second of all, I, it would have been more, um, okay, well, I guess I could live with this for six months. Then? I, I, I would have I would have said no if you would have told me who he would beat along the way and how he would beat them and Fair. how just unpleasant a lot of his title reign was yeah uh but this brings up brings me kind of to the point of where do we go from here with gender now that he's he's lost it to aj and he lost his rematch that he invoked where does gender go leading into the rumble and into 2018 is there any story that he fits into are there any superstars on smackdown live that uh, are at the top of the card that he can continue to have a feud with I think that there are, but I don't know who they are yet because we're still figuring out who's coming off the Ziggler angle and who's who's released there. Uh, we still don't know what's going to happen with Sammy and Kevin if they're going to continue to feud with Shinsuke and Randy. Yeah, like there's so many options. Uh, is he going to go for another title or is he just going to fade away? Is is the is the gender experiment over and he's done? He's out of here. 
Who knows? I, like I said, I think he's come around in a lot of ways, and I think that he could be useful for a lot of positions. Uh, again, his look is great, uh, and he's he's come into himself a lot more, but it remains to be seen with gender. Have the Singh brothers done him a disservice? Um, have they brought him down further as more of a distraction, or are they more of the spectacle than he is at this point? Well, I think that, I think that they've become associated with him so much, and they do, you know, they're, they're there with his entrance and everything. Yeah. Uh, they've become like part of the gender finish and AJ had to fight them off during this match as well, uh, which he did with great aplomb. But I think that at some point he has to move away from the Sings to be more legit. Um, I thought that the Sings contract would not be renewed and that could still happen. I, I haven't heard one way or the other. Uh, so they may be on their way out or they may have renewed their contracts and they were uh, they were given themselves an out when, when he had them uh, beat up the, like a couple of weeks ago, whatever it was, and they may have renewed the contract and I don't know what they're going to do with them. So really remains to be seen with gender. Um, like I said, I do have a soft spot for the guy. Uh, you know, he does seem like a, from what I've heard from the backstage stuff, he seems like a really good dude. Oh who's yeah. Turned himself around and, and you know, I'm happy for his success. I just think he got pushed to the top too quick and wasn't ready for it. And so looked lackluster for most of the year as a result. Um, and I also don't like the way they put him over a lot of people. I think it was a completely failed experiment because of how they did it. And they treated the Indian populace like idiots by trying to play him as a face to them when he was very obviously a heel and, and just being kind of so patronizing about, you know, him being, you know, oh, he's, he's the same race as you guys. So yay, he represents you. It's like, no, he, he doesn't necessarily, you know what I mean? He's got to earn that. He can't right. just be that. So I think there's still a lot of building that you could do with gender and he could be a, a long-term superstar. I genuinely do believe that. I think that he has a lot of upside that could make him that, but it's will all depend on what they, what they do with him at this point, because now we're at, we're at that point where either he sticks around in some mid card feud or upper mid card feud, yeah. or he goes back to being a jobber. As my dad would call it, it's a shit or get off the pot moment. So with Jinder Mahal, I guess is what you, you guys have to kind of decide what you're going to do with him, creative. Thank you, Sarah Logan. I yes. appreciate that. <laughs> well, we, we, we both called uh, Jinder to lose this. We oh, called AJ to win. Uh, that means uh, I am behind by 0.5 of a point. Yes. Is this the first time I think you've won? Or second no, time? Maybe the second. Sun second. even shines on a dog's, da- dog's ass every now and then. Yeah, you, you got two out of Speaking all of, of them Logan. this year. <laughs> Well done, sir. No, I, I, genuine congratulations. Yes, thank well you. done. I will never pick Rusev again. Listen, honestly, sure. had you not picked Rusev, that would have been completely tied, and we'd be, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Wouldn't this be tied. Such I'd, a, I'd have won by point five. Your ascension pick. Okay, would have if you're you. going to change that, then I'm going to take the ascension thing out, and we would be. Listen, this card was so predictable, and this is kind of where I was leading to earlier. Let's come full circle with this and go back to where I what I asked in the beginning. What were your overall thoughts? Knowing that on paper it looked like kind of a B B minus kind of card, what were your thoughts after seeing it um, overall with with the pay per view? Honestly, I was really pleasantly surprised overall at the pay per view. I thought that a lot of the elements of it delivered more than I thought they would. I just I still don't think it's an A pay per view. No. I don't think it's going to be that memorable. I don't think it'll be one that people look back on in years later and go, "Remember that time?" No, but I think it was totally serviceable for what it was. I was entertained for most of it. Uh, so yeah, I think it, I think overall it outperformed my expectations. I will all, say that all of these matches were completely forgettable. However, there is one 
moment that I will say that will probably stick out and we will call back to in history, and that's the exchange between Shane and Daniel Bryan. That may be something I, I think story we will look back, back 10 to. years later uh, and we'll come back to it. Oh, remember that time Daniel Bryan made a comeback? You know, yes, it's a hope and pie in the sky kind of thing, but I think as big as he was for the last, you know, in 2013 and 2014 especially, if we look back at um, his run against the authority and against the regime and all of that stuff, I think him coming back is going to be such a big deal, and it, it's. I think we're going to look back on that. I, I think that's something that you're you're making his comeback a given. Uh, I, I believe I do truly believe he will wrestle again. I am very uh, bearish on it being within the WWE. Mm, okay. So you know, I think this is a moment we'll look back on and say WWE could have pulled the trigger here, but they didn't. Well, either way, I don't think this is going to be something that's going to be remembered that much in history. Okay. This this paper this pay per view. That being said. I do not regret watching it. Uh, I actually was entertained for the most part. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say is that uh, while I agree with you that on paper it looked kind of eh, uh, the actual cluster effedness of it, it, it kind of the chaos of the entire show and almost silliness to it in certain matches, actually kind of added to my entertainment of it. It it I didn't expect some of those things to happen. I didn't expect the um, uh, Brizongo to get squashed. I didn't I did, expect for Ziggler to win. I didn't expect for Ziggler to win. I did not expect that four-way tag match to go the way that it did, even though I called it that way. I, I was genuinely thinking that it was going to be uh, oh. American Alpha 2.0 to sneak that one out. Oh, Rusev was so close. They were. They were. But, they were so close. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think the overall chaos of it added to the enjoyment of my viewing experience. Well, all I know is that looking forward, I, this, is, this pay-per-view has wet my whistle for what's coming up on SmackDown this week. I do now want to know what happens on SmackDown. And if that is the ultimate purpose of this show is, hey, here's a big show. Come back and watch us this week because more is happening. Well done. I'm hooked. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there you go, guys. That's our recap of Clash of Champions, the SmackDown Live pay-per-view. We are on the road to the Royal Rumble, roughly about five to six weeks away at this point. So definitely looking forward to that one. It's the first big four. We get on the road to WrestleMania, which, frankly, I think we're already on that road. We're just leading to some certain things that are going to be speed bumps along the way. Yes, speed bumps, or we could come across a roadblock, Nick. That being said, right now, it does feel like we are in the Fast lane to WrestleMania, oh my God. if you will. <laughs> oh boy! Uh, see what I see? What I got to deal with, guys? This is uh, the puns. Hey, man, it's not me. This is WWE. I'm just, <laughs> I just, I'm just regurgitating what I'm given. Road to WrestleMania is a fast lane, but with some roadblocks in the way. Let it go. Oh, All boy. right. So that was our recap of Clash of Champions. We will have more of our reactions later this week to the follow-up SmackDown with all the fallout from this pay-per-view. We're also going to be talking about Raw, which I suspect will have a lot of big things to talk about as well. So tune in later this week, please. Absolutely, and certainly come over to Facebook and join us in the Busted Wide Open discussion group. Let us know what you thought about the Clash of Champions pay-per-view. We definitely want to hear your thoughts on some of these outcomes and what you're looking forward to as we head down the fast lane through the roadblock Stop down it. The road it, was, it was okay. bad when I did it the first time. You repeating it is just being Michael Cole. You can find us over on Twitter as well, at BWO Podcast. And if you want to rock some sweet swag for the holidays, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash store, where we've got some big deals, some mm. last-minute stuff happening right before Christmas. I know what I'm giving my whole family. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me over on Twitter, at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter, at... Sturdy and dangerous. But by God, will somebody stop the damn match? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. 
For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.